Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Knowing God with Heart and Mind. I'm Pastor Dan, and it's my pleasure to join you again in this study of the Bible to read God's Word, and then through the reading of God's Word, through the uh, critical thinking and the conversation, through the uh, what Wesley would call holy conferencing, we begin to understand the mind of God even better, the Logos. We study so that we can know God with heart and mind. Each week we'll take the passages that are scheduled for the from the Revised Common Lectionary and we will use them to uh, inform our study and uh, see where the Lord leads us. We count on the leadership of the Holy Spirit above all else. But first... Let's take some time for announcements and news from Parsons Prairie. I've noticed that there's been a uh, missing podcast or at least a week of delay. And the reason is really very simple. I took off for Holy Week. And uh, also decided that it would be easier to give you a more fluid and better informed uh, podcast if I created it a little bit closer to its actual uh, coordinated readings. In other words, instead of recording it about 10 days ahead of time, I'm recording it just a couple of days ahead uh, You'd have to know old Pastor Dan to understand that. It has to do with the fact that I don't like to uh, get behind on things. I prefer to work ahead and stay on top of things. And so what I'm learning is, is you can't really have a timely podcast if you do that. And uh, so I'm taking a risk. I'm living dangerously. I'm actually going to try trusting the Spirit of God even more. Imagine that. I'm joking, of course, because that's what I want everyone to do. And what happens as you grow in personal sanctification is as you begin to understand even more the little ways in which you fail to trust the Lord. And fail is probably the lousy word for that, but it's simply growing in trust and faith each day so that with smaller and smaller things, you trust the Lord more. It's a lovely idea. Now, I have a special report from Parsons Prairie for you. Here it comes. Well, greetings from Parsons Prairie. We're doing a uh, little bit of a field trip today. I thought I'd come out and sit here at the chicken coop where I spend a lot of time meditating and talking to God and communing with my chickens. An old Bluefoot Bill just thought he'd tell you hello, so he's really chiming it out for you. Anyway, you can hear the wind blowing here that never really stops at Parsons Prairie. I think maybe the only time it really dies down is in the middle of August when it's really hot and you kind of wish there was a breeze. But that's okay. Just thought I'd give you a live report from outside Parsons Prairie's Parsonage. There's chickens resting in the afternoon sun. 
There's wind blowing storms into the region this evening. The farmers are preparing their fields. Some fields are visible only by the cloud of dust behind the machines that are plowing and spreading fertilizer. And up oh, here come the flyboys. Hi guys. Yep, they, the flyboys just cruised in. They're flying in for their occasional flyby visits. And uh, yeah, so anyway, just wanted to give you a taste of what it's like out here in the field behind the Parsons Prairie Parsonage. And now you maybe understand why I use the studio inside and sound effects because the real sounds can get a little bit monotonous. Bill means well, but sometimes I wish he'd just shut up, especially when it's early in the morning. Anyway, there's your live report from Parsons Prairie. Greetings from the girls and Bluefoot Bill. this week are taken from the Revised Common Lectionary schedule for April the 23rd, 2017, the second Sunday of Easter. They're a little unusual in that we are reading from the New Testament to start with rather than what is usually an Old Testament reading. Our first reading then comes from the Acts of the Apostles. We start with Acts chapter 2, verse 14a, and then chapter 2, verses 22 to 32. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. King David said of him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices, and my body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne, seeing that was to come 
he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses to it. The second reading is taken from Psalm 16. In fact, it's Psalm 16 in its entirety, a psalm credited to King David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with the joy of your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Let us pray. Generous God, we thank you for your presence with us in all our lives. As we gather this day, we are reminded of the many times we have doubted and feared. Today, banish our fears with the memory of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Remind us again that Through all our troubles, doubts, and fears, your power, mercy, and love are with us. Amen. Well, let's talk about those first two readings now. The first reading from the Acts of the Apostles is a story taken from that uh, very famous book, example that we read of the power of the Holy Spirit and the effect that Jesus' resurrection, his grace and forgiveness, and his uh, sharing of the Holy Spirit with Peter and the others. This story is about so many things, but what the writers of the lectionary have done is given us a bit of one portion. This whole story is, of course, the story that leads to the Pentecost celebration, which we're definitely going to visit here in a week or two. But for now, what we're looking at is Peter saying in front of hundreds, maybe thousands of people, look, I'm telling you the truth. I have seen Jesus. I'm telling you the truth. This man who you saw killed on the cross, who you in your one way or another were complicit in his murder, I'm telling you that he is alive, that we have seen him, that he has walked with us and talked with us. Now that's a pretty bold move if you think about it. Jesus was killed because he was considered someone who was leading a subversive group 
And they thought that by killing the leader, they were going to end the subversion. And then along comes Peter and some of the other guys, all 11 of them, in fact, standing up in front of the crowd and saying, we're those guys. We're the ones that were his closest associates. And we're saying publicly that he is risen. That's guts. And that kind of guts only comes from knowing the truth beyond doubt and perhaps by being filled and encouraged with the Holy Spirit. I only say perhaps because I'm assuming that any of us could rise to that level if we were so completely convicted and convinced of something. But what we know is that their spiritual power that would be demonstrated in time over the course of the Acts of the Apostles' readings would be evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in them too. For now though, let's just focus on this reality that Peter is publicly pronouncing his commitment to Christ despite being one of those who hid from the authorities, possibly even from Jesus, after the death and resurrection and now he is a public figure risking it all to say that a man that everybody was sure was dead had in fact been raised from the dead and was walking among them and who would eventually ascend to heaven and leave them all with the Holy Spirit. Now that is an amazing thing. If there's one thing that can be said beyond the shadow of a doubt it is that Jesus Christ has had the most profound impact on human history of any one person in all of human history. And if it doesn't come from the fact that people continue to believe over and over and over again from one generation to the next for 2,000 years that this Jesus who was killed, raised from the dead, and dwelt among us. That in itself has been a hallmark of Christianity, except that it goes beyond that. People not only believe that that is true, but they come to know him through the Holy Spirit that he imparts to all. And this is the message that we want to take to heart. Now that Jesus has died on the cross and redeemed us, we must recognize that we have eternal life, but more than that, we have the opportunity to be born again and to live from that moment forward in a new way that transcends life and earth and time and space as we understand it. And the only thing that really separates us from Christ at this point is his physicality in the place outside of space and time and our physicality inside space and time. But that same spirit dwells in both you as the Christian believer and Jesus who is the Lord. Now let's look at the final two readings scheduled for this week. The next reading comes to us from the first letter of Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who, though faith through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise. Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And now a reading from the Gospel of John. We will read John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. more pastoral pontification. After you hear the words of Peter, spoken later in his life, perhaps even in his relatively old age, there is such certainty, such complete theological grounding. At that point, Peter is an authority, unquestioned, 
in his ability to interpret the meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. He makes it clear that through Jesus, we are reconciled with God. He makes it clear that we are no longer limited to this life as we understand it, even with its sufferings, that we are people of an eternal nature because of Christ, because of God's great love expressed through the grace that caused Christ to be the source of our redemption. And then, of course, we hear that story, very familiar story from the Gospel of John, and we all want to give that moniker back to Thomas at least one more time, old doubting Thomas. But let's give Thomas some credit, too. He didn't even try to put his fingers in the wounds. He knew the minute he laid eyes on Jesus that he was a fool for having doubted, but not such a fool as any of us haven't been. The truth is, is we've all had our doubts about this Jesus, and this is no doubt why Jesus said in that moment, perhaps knowing that it would be recorded for all posterity, anyone who believes, even though they have not seen, is truly blessed. And what should our response be in this belief? Well, it should be just like Thomas's response. My Lord and my God! That is the final time in the New Testament where someone says that plainly, that Jesus is more than a man, that Jesus is the Lord and God. We need to get that into our minds in order to really understand this person with whom we have a relationship through the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that while the apostles were recognizing him through a series of events and teachings, we have the benefit of the hindsight which they provide for us. We can look back and see the complete story. We don't have to wait for it to unfold is in the same way that they have. In fact, we can experience this knowledge of Jesus right now simply by confessing that he who was dead is alive. He who by his scars has taken upon himself the punishment for our sin, which is more than just those scars that we can see, but those things that Jesus bore for our sake that go unseen by us but are known plainly in the spiritual realm. This Jesus is God in the flesh, having lived like us, been one of us, dwelt among us, suffered and died like us, and then risen again in the same way that he promises we will all rise. And so we can look forward to the resurrection that Jesus is clearly demonstrating to his friends. And let's talk about that for a second, because that's kind of cool. I don't know about you, but it's exciting to think that after the resurrection, that our physical bodies will have certain characteristics that they don't have now, namely the ability to pass through walls. I'm not exactly sure what a person does with something like that, but what I can say is, is that the scripture clearly indicates that the person who is resurrected in the way that Jesus has been resurrected has certain qualities and certain differences that we cannot experience at this time. And that right there is exciting. I mean, why not look forward to it? I know nobody's looking forward to dying, and probably a lot of us are a little afraid of what's going to happen to lead up to the resurrection. Should we be alive during that time when the resurrection comes, perhaps things will be terrifying. 
And I won't deny that when it comes to physical suffering, when it comes to uh, scary things of all different kinds, anyone can be weak. I can be weak, I know. But when I try, I think about the eternal things. I think about the things that we have been promised. The hope of paradise that Jesus gave to that thief on the cross. The promise of the resurrection that we can look forward to and that we have an example of through Jesus. And I imagine that even though there may be difficulty, suffering, and even some really scary moments, in the end, our Redeemer lives. And I know that we will see him face to face in our flesh with our own eyes. And we will live in the way that we can't even conceive of right now. But it's so exciting to try to imagine it. Let your imagination go for a while. Live into this faith. Live into this journey. Stop focusing on worldly things. If there's one thing that really disappoints me when I'm around church people, it is their focus on the works of human beings. The fact that they spend more time fretting over what people are doing than they do thinking about what God is doing. Let us not be caught up in the actions or inactions of people, but rather spend our energy and our time looking at the activity of God and asking God where we can join God in what God is doing. This is the way to make Jesus your Lord and your God. Friends, I hope you've been blessed by today's offering from Knowing God with Heart and Mind. I hope you had a little fun visiting the real Parsons Prairie sounds and uh, crowing a little bit with old Bluefoot Bill. I'm looking out the window now and it's still windy out there and I see Siggy, the plastic owl's head spinning round and round as he seeks to scare away those robins who like to make messes on the old back porch. He doesn't do a very good job if you want to know the truth, but he is fun to watch. Siggy the Plastic Owl. Now I hope that as you've listened to this, it has been one part of your spiritual life. That this is not the only way in which you seek the Lord. Please make sure to be a part of another church community of some kind. If you're not a member at the one of the churches that I serve, then I pray that you will be a part of a church somewhere. As you have probably figured out by listening to this podcast, I'm in the process of leaving Parsons Prairie with my family and leaving the awesome, wonderful people of Corinth United Methodist Church and making our way to Jasper, Indiana, where we'll be with our new church family, an additional church family at Shiloh United Methodist Church. And so during this transition, I want to urge you to support one of those two churches with your presence and with your financial support. And if not there, then somewhere. Believe me when I tell you, with love from the depths of my being, you must be in a relationship with other believers. You must worship God as people who just can't help it. And you must choose, choose to be a part of a family of faith somewhere where these sorts of things are happening. You'll see, when you do that, you grow spiritually. You can't do it on your own. You're not meant to do it on your own. 
Ask me how I know. And the answer is very simple. God doesn't do it on God's own. God is one and three. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is community. God is surrounded by the angels. God has been broken hearted over the separation that was caused by sin. And God has created community again by breaking the barriers that separate us from God. Community is a vital part of your Christian living. So be a part of a Christian community. And if you go to a church or you're a part of a Christian gathering of some kind and you don't find like-minded people, well, first do a little self-examination and make sure that you aren't perhaps wrong in your expectations. But if it turns out that it's simply a matter of tastes, or simply a matter of, of uh, gelling with people and having personalities that are similar, that's okay. Keep looking until you find that place that God wants you to be. The Spirit will lead you to the place if you ask the Spirit to do so. And understand that this is why God is so openly tolerant of the many denominations and the many ways in which Christians worship. Because in order for community to happen, people with certain affinities have to find each other. Do you hear me, friends? Be a part of a family of faith. It's vital. And don't ever let a podcast serve as your only source of fulfillment. I say this because I love you. And I want you to grow in God's grace and be the fullest form of Christ follower that you can be. Until next time, God bless you and goodbye.